I've been thinking a lot uh, recently uh, in, in my through the Bible reading uh, about the Christian life. Um, I've, been, I've been dunking on you on Sunday morning on some of these things that I've been going through, but I was thinking about looking at the book of Romans. So if you have your Bible, you turn to Romans uh, chapter 8. I'm not going to preach to you very much, but I've been going through this text, and so I just want to, to uh, uh, and I'm really and truly, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to myself now as much as I'm talking to you about these things. But Romans chapter 8, good chapter, Paul starts out about uh, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And the reason there are no, there's no condemnation is he begins to explain in verse 2, uh, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So you have the two things. You have the law of the spirit of life, which is basically the gospel. Um, and uh, it has set you free from the law of sin and death. We are under the law. And being under the law, we are doomed because we don't keep the law. The flesh is weak. That's what he says uh, in the next verse, what the law could not do. Uh, the law is good, but it's not it's not able to save us. It's not able to deliver us from the penalty of sin uh, because of the weakness of our flesh. And so the law is, is really helpless insofar as making us righteous or saving us or, or turning us into good people. But God did it by sending his own son. Uh, and uh, in the likeness of sinful flesh. Not in, he didn't become as a sinner, but he came in the likeness or appearance uh, in sinful flesh. And as an offering, he himself was an offering for sin. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin. So the threat that sin was condemned. Um, and then verse 4, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So that the requirement of the law is fulfilled in us, in the spirit, um, by the spirit in us, who walk not after the law, but, I mean, who, who uh, do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is the, the section I wanted to look at was verse 5. We're just kind of building up that. And this is really really been on my, my mind and my heart. It says, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So that when he talks about, when he says according to the, to the flesh, he's, he's actually talking about those that are after the manner of the flesh and those that are after the manner of the spirit. You have the... Uh, the flesh, and we can live in the flesh, and we can seek. In fact, the way he talks about the next verse, the mindset on the flesh is death, the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Um, and so that he says the life can have two directions. Your life can have a, a direction in which you focus on the flesh, and you you have the, the uh, attitude of wanting to fulfill the flesh, or you can set your mind on the things of the spirit and your attitude of pleasing and trying to fulfill the spirit. The mind that is set on the flesh, the life that is set on the flesh, uh, he says there in verse 6, the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. I've been thinking about that a lot. When I was in California at Union Rescue Mission, um, not at the Union Rescue Mission at Grace Church, but we had a gospel group that used to go to the Union Rescue Mission every Saturday night. Um, 
And uh, I think I told you this. One night I was preaching, and I wasn't going to preach. There were different ones I would take turns preaching. <clears throat> but I was happy to be preaching at that particular time. And there was, uh, and the place was crowded. It was a big, big group. It was uh, sort of smelly, as you can imagine, because these three people filled up. It was hot. And uh, even though they had uh, fans and air conditioning stuff, it was kind of hot and smelly. And it was sort of uncomfortable in a way. But we were preaching the gospel. And uh, there was a guy way back here in the middle that, in the middle of the message, just stood up and started yelling and talking. And you're really being obnoxious, trying to create the strength of the same distractions or dissension or whatever. And it was really just, uh, I, I stopped and he kept, blah, 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 and it just got the big things. That, so three or four guys went over to him and grabbed him and just kind of forcibly took him out of the meeting, took him on the side, outside of another room. I went on to finish the message. I don't remember anything else that happened. But that night after the meeting, I went back to see him because I wanted to talk to him. And it uh, turned out the guy, um, he, he wasn't coherent. Um, he didn't, you might joke and say his elevator didn't go up all the way to the top floor or his brakes were not stacked correctly or whatever, but he just wasn't, he wasn't making good sense in his communication. I don't know if he was on drugs or what, but he was rambling on, he was dirty. Um, he obviously hadn't had a bath and looked like he, he hadn't had a shave in a long time. It was just kind of repulsive to look at. And, uh, but he also, this sounds kind of funny, but it also looked like you needed to kind of knock him on the forehead to see if there was anybody home. Even though his eyes were open and he was talking, he didn't seem to be uh, relating well. And, uh, and uh, so I found out this guy at one time had been the senior uh, executive officer of a major bank in New York City. I mean, the, the top guy uh, had a, was, was a financial wizard. And uh, he had made a lot of money, had a big house, big, big estate, uh, uh, and the bank was doing really well. He got, I guess, I guess he, they didn't explain a lot. He got involved in drinking a little bit and, and parties and drugs and the social life. And that began to take its toll on him. And uh, all of a sudden began to lose his family and his marriage began to break up. And then the, uh, his ability at his work began to wane, and eventually he lost his job, he lost his career, he lost his estate, he lost everything, he became a straight person, and was really, unless, unless the Lord entered into his life in some dramatic, miraculous way, like, like the uh, guys, the guy among the tombs there at Lake Gennesaret, when Jesus went there, and he was out there swimming around running naked, unless... The Lord entered into his life in some miraculous way. This guy's just going to die and go to hell and, and be lost forever. And I, and I illustrate that to show in a graphic way where a life that focuses on the flesh leads, that it can do that. Now, that's, a, that's an extreme example, but we can use all kinds of examples. There, there are lots of people have education, have nice jobs, uh, have good careers, they have raised a family, uh, but their life is not, it doesn't have a purpose. And they end up, after they reach a certain age, and they may have a retirement, and they may try to go to get, uh, like your friend did, that had built a, a boat and a retirement, and then end up having a heart attack before he can use it, or whatever. But even if he does that, even if he retires and goes out, 
the, at the end of his life, when he's lying on his deathbed, he's wasted his life. He has nothing, and and his life has been self-focused, and he's not been not been contributing anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's it's been a life that's been wasted, and it leads to death. It always leads it leads to death. A life that is living in the flesh leads to death, and and uh, yet. We don't seem to understand that. That's kind of what Paul talked about in Galatians 6, 7, and 8. And you know, well, Galatians 6, 7, 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption or death. The one who sows to his spirit will from the spirit reap life. To sow to the flesh is what he's talking about. You contribute to, you, you live your life planting seeds in the flesh to please yourself, to satisfy your, your weekend, to live for your, your comfort, to live for your own um, accomplishments, to build your own self-centered career, just thinking about yourself, sowing to that flesh. But the ultimate end is going to be you reap death. And not necessarily just physical death, but spiritual death uh, in your life. On the other hand, if you sow to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, the things that matter, you sow to, to a system that gives life. And in the passage that we're looking at in Romans, he says, he, he talked about you, you sow to the Spirit, uh, you get to, the, the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. You have peace in that. The life that is given to the Spirit, that sows in the Spirit, that sows to the things of the Lord, is, is peace. We don't think that way. We, don't, we really don't believe that. We think we, think we can live... For ourselves, and just for the next maybe six months or so, do it, and then begin to turn around. We think we can somehow turn things around and, and stand the, the word on end. And what Paul is saying to Galatians is, you're deceiving yourself. So he says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You can't mock him. You can't, you can't, and I, and I have tried that. I know what it means to try to, to kind of coerce or fool or trick God into thinking one thing, because I can do something and do some good things and get some pats on the back and then get taken advantage over here or do that. You see what I mean? Or kind of manipulate the Lord. You can't, you can't do that. God is not, you know, he's smarter than you are. He's smarter than I am. He's bigger than we are. And his way is best. It's always best. It's always best. And so we need to we need to listen to him. He says in Colossians, keep seeking those things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Um, and what that's what he said, what John said, that uh, um, love, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. When man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in it. And so what I'm saying is the thing that I've been going around and around is that it's far, far, far more important to really put God first in your life than yourself first. It's far more important to seek to please Him than it seeks to just please myself. And I like to please myself. And I like to be comfortable. And I, and I, and I like to have nice things. And I like to have everything just the way I want it. But the one that we really want to please, the one that we really should seek to please is the Lord. To put Him first. And to seek those things when it says in the spirit, in the spiritual realm, spiritual discipline, make a priority for the word in your life, make a priority for 
to obey that. I'm not saying you don't ignore your family. I'm not saying you ignore your career. I'm not saying you ignore making money, but I'm saying the thing, the purpose, the motivation behind it is, is to seek to please the Lord, to live for Him. He owns everything. And we talked about it today, earlier, about how few people really tithe and that God's going to get his tithe. Uh, but it, more than that, it's how the Lord is able to take what's left over that, that we have, that we give it him at the tithe and we have something left over. He's able to take that and somehow stretch it to do what we couldn't have done if we had the 100% and we're using it without the tithe. So I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Plus, a billion times better than that is the fact we have peace because we have been obeying the Lord. So we can see that's, that's, that's good. We're not reaping a life of, of self-destruction, of suicide, if you will, but we are reaping a life of spirit, a life that is filled with life and peace, and that's a good thing. So that passage in Romans, let me read it one more time. Verse 5 says, For those who are according to the flesh, Set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. It is not even able to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong in us. Now tonight we are we're going to be focusing on the time that we remember the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> I just, the more I think about who he is and what he's done, the more impressed I am uh, with the majesty and the glory of our Savior. He is so good to us. He's so magnificent. And uh, yet he doesn't he doesn't give us graphic displays. The display of his greatness is his humility, of his sacrifice, of his service. He, he wants to serve. He wants to give. He loves us and he cares. And that's, that is, uh, he's, he's not come, he's come to serve us and uh, to, to seek and to save that which is lost. And so we have a, we have a wonderful Savior, and we ought to be very, very thankful and very eager to give everything we have to live for it. Let me, let me pray. And uh, by the way, do we have somebody that's going to do the elements? Okay. Uh, I'm going to, to pray, but Rick, do you mind closing that prayer? Yes. Giving people a chance to pray. Dear Father, thank you for yourself. I, I guess I got kind of long with it. This is really sort of heavy on my heart. Um, I'm thinking of people, even last night, uh, I saw people that the smile on their face is not what it used to be, and their hearts are, are uh, kind of heavy and, and dry, and it's because of death. You can't live for yourself and, and reap life and peace like that, and it, it, it bothers me very much. What bothers me even more is when I see it in my life, and I see how I... Uh, seek the things that really are not not of you and I just thank you for I thank you so much for working in my heart in our hearts thank you for giving us your precious word that shows us your, what you think about these things and helps us to see what needs to be changed in our lives thank you for being our wonderful shepherd 
and uh, you've given us instructions about that in many places, but one of them is Psalm 32. And uh, we see David listening, listing there the things that he has done for sheep, which parallel the way you've cared for him as a shepherd. And we are so thankful to you. Thank you for being our shepherd, for loving us, for being the shepherd that lays down his life for us. And uh, we are so, so grateful to you for that. Thank you for this time and for the privilege we have to worship you in this meeting.